the first Sunday of Advent reading. And my readings are Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and also chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, and verses 19 and 20. Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. And then I have Second Peter chapter 1. We also have something completely reliable and a prophetic message, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now you can light. Awake, God's new day is dawning. Advent is a season immediately prior to Christmas. For children, it is a time of great excitement, as we all know. But more than that, for most Christians throughout the world, it is a time of expectation, a time of looking back to the birth of the Lord Jesus, as well as looking forward to his second coming. Many Christians around the world celebrate the four Sundays leading up to Christmas with the lighting of candles, reading scripture about the birth of the Lord Jesus, and describing the importance of that wonderful event. By doing these devotionals each week, we are turning our hearts and attention to the birth of Christ. We hope this emphasis will help all of us to focus on our Lord and Savior throughout the month of December. Today we have lit the first candle in the Advent wreath, officially beginning the Advent season. We join the scripture in calling our hearts to arise, shine, for your light has come. In other words, wake up. The light of Christ is dawning. Through his gospel, the Lord brings a new day. And so, spiritually, it's time to open our eyes. Yawn if you need to. Stretch and become alert. Let none of us spiritually sleep through this wonderful Advent season. And now Elaine's going to follow with this regular Sunday today of the second Advent. Good morning, everybody. On this second Sunday of Advent, I will be reading Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 9. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Listen, a voice of one calling in the wilderness shouts, prepare the way of our Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up every mountain and hill made low, and the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the, uh, for the mouth excuse me, of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, 
And I said, what shall I cry? Cry out that all people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. Yes, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant who you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And then once more the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. The word Advent literally means coming. How important it is for us in the midst of our busy daily lives to just stop and be reminded that we are indeed in the Christmas season once again. These candles today remind us of all the preparations we need to make for the season. We need to make preparations not just physically with decorations and light, but we also need to make preparations mentally and spiritually. Suppose you knew someone really important was coming to your home in a couple of weeks. What would you do? What preparations would you make? Many of us are expecting to have family gatherings at Christmas. And for those gatherings, we will make all kinds of preparations, preparations beyond the ordinary. Our families are important to us. The most important one who is coming is the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says, prepare the way for the Lord. His coming is glorious. His coming happens suddenly. Are we prepared? Are we ready? In a few weeks, the special day of Christmas will be here. As we prepare to celebrate, what kind of preparations do we need to make to be ready for him? Now is the time to prepare, and ready or not, he will come. Speaking of preparations, we can only imagine the kind of preparations Joseph and Mary were making as they awaited the birth of their child. In those days, without all our modern conveniences, whew, having a child was never easy. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, during this Advent season, help us to turn our hearts, focus our attention, adjust our priorities, soften our attitudes, and in every way truly prepare ourselves for Christmas. May we be eager to hear the old, old story. Help us to have a childlike excitement throughout the whole Advent season. And may we find great joy in celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 
The Christmas carol, Joy to the World, tells us to prepare. It says, let every heart prepare him room. Please rise and let us sing together hymn number 125. Let's look at our joys and concerns in our prayer ministry, God. Uh, Christine, do you have uh, updates? Okay. All righty. Well, first of all, I have an update for myself. I was at, I saw the surgeon on December 3rd, and I have a clean beer, bill of health. I have been released from my surgeon. Healing is really good. So thank you, everyone, for all your prayers and beautiful cards. And I just praise the Lord for giving me the strength and my health and getting back to normal as much as possible. I'm trying. So this week I have to kind of watch myself a little bit because it's like, whoa, now I can dive right in. I said to him, can I run the vacuum? Can I do my cookies? Can I do this stuff? He said, he just looked at me and laughed. He said, yeah, if this is what you want to do. <laughs> So I'm just happy for a good, clean bill of health right now. Praise the Lord. Me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he did do dishes. <laughs> um, and I got, last night I got a, yesterday I got a call from Pat Batts. She's telling me that they wouldn't be here today, her and her mother. But she asked for a special prayer for Charlie Miller, who is Lillian's uh, guy friend that comes to church here all the time with them, most of the time. Uh, he was taken to the hospital yesterday in the ambulance, and he's in a uh, hospital in Reading somewhere. She didn't know the name of the hospital at all. Because Charlie lives over, he's only a few miles away from the Mooresville Church of the Brethren where Pastor Scott is. He's, he doesn't live more than a couple miles from there. So he's in that area. But she said he had passed out, and then the daughter was called and went to the house, and they took him in the ambulance. So I'm not sure. I didn't hear any more about it. I'll try to get updates with it about that, but just have special prayer for him today. And I wanted to pick up on um, this Aaron Kreider that had died. Uh, Paul and I went to the service because we've been talking with Dale and Cheryl, the parents, and, of course, Jeanette. I've been with her a couple times. And uh, the service was absolutely wonderful. I did not know this guy. Personally, did not know him at all. But... When I left that service, I felt like I knew him. Things that were shared at that service from his father, a co-worker, and some friends that they gave like little legacies of him and talks, it was wonderful. And he was a very Christian person, and he had been attending the Mennonite, Mount Joy Mennonite Church where the services were, and there were lots of people, lots of people there, and it was just... A sad case is very hard on the parents right now because it happened so quickly. You know, found out October 6th, and by November 23rd, he passed away. But this guy, I mean, even his job and the people he was with and connected with, a very loving guy, a loving father. He had been divorced back through the years, I don't know when, but had just remarried in August of this year. And the wife seems like a wonderful person. They showed a lot of video, you know, that you see up on the screen. And, oh, looking at all the pictures and everything, you could just tell. It's just very family connected, but a great guy. Like I say, I felt like I knew him when I left there. 
just from all that was shared about him. It was a wonderful service. So I just wanted to share that. Um, thank you for the prayers for my sister, sister Kathy Brubaker. Uh, she went to the hospital, and she was on the operating table, and the doctor looked at her, and he did not want to do the procedure. He said, are you sure you want to do this? And she said, well, I don't know. I think I do. And he said, out of 50 people that lay on this table, five don't walk out. And he gave her a minute to leave the operating room and go think about it. And he said, if you decide you don't want to do it, you get dressed and go home. And if you want it done, you come back in. Well, she took a survey on the way through the hallway and asked different people, what would you do? And a nurse, one nurse said, I wouldn't do it. And another nurse says, well, why wouldn't you do it? Because she had no, you know, her life without the surgery was nothing. So she went back in and got on the table, and he just looked at her. He, he just did not want to do it. At any rate, they were able to do three stents, and he told her, her companion afterwards, he said that that was an, a really hard surgery. And he said, I think he was shocked. Yeah. And, I mean, I know who was guiding his hand in the procedure that day. It could have only been God. So I thank God, and I thank you for all the prayers else would like to share? Christine. Okay. Well, yeah, till I get over there. You can. Oh, good. Did everybody hear what she said about Maybell? Maybell's back in her apartment. She had fallen and was in rehab, so she's back in her apartment, which I'm sure she's happy with that. Yeah, it's always good to get back to go home. Yeah. Okay, very well. Let's move along here. We're going to pray, and uh, uh, we're going to keep Akron, Church of the Brethren, in our, our thoughts. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this Advent season. Indeed, it is coming. It is coming, and your Son is in our minds coming again to us as a baby. Thank goodness he didn't remain a baby. Thank goodness that he became the Savior that you designed him to be. And he is our Savior. Thank you, Lord. And therefore, we can come to you in prayer and, and thanksgiving. And we have prayers for people who we know here in our congregation that need your help. We think of Charlie, Pat's friend. Touch him, Lord. Heal him from whatever his ailments are. Thank you for uh, people who have gone through surgeries. Thank you for Joyce's sister 
that has experienced that difficult surgery and has survived and, and is doing well, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, we, have, we grieve with people who lose loved ones, even though we don't know them. It's hard to part with someone that you are in love with, that you have grown up with, that you are brothers and sisters with, that you're, that you're spouse. But we know that if they believe in you and they have given their heart to you, we'll see them again. And they're at peace and they're healthy and happy. And all we have to do is persevere and remain faithful to you. And we will re be reunited again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this brief time here on this earth. Thank you that we can walk with you and you will always hear our prayers. You always be with us. We don't have to do anything by ourselves. You are always with us. God, please bless Church of the Akron, Church of Akron, excuse me. I don't know that congregation. I know where they are, but I don't know the congregation. I don't know their leadership. But I pray that you will be strong in their midst and that they will be faithful to you and that their leadership will be strong and godly. Thank you, Lord. Lift them up, Lord. Give them strength. And thank you for their presence. Lord, as we go into our Christmas season, what a wonderful time it is. But help us keep focused. Keep focused on you. Keep focused on Jesus Christ, our Savior. And not only on his birth, but what he did for us at the end of his life. Thank you, Lord, for him. Thank you for being so kind to us and so gracious. And we appreciate and we bless you, among all other things. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's time for, is this second Sunday? This is second Sunday. The only solo I do is solo that most people can't hear me, you know. <laughs> I have only been asked once in my life to sing a solo. It was in a cantata, you know. And my song had four notes. It pretty monotone, you know. But I noticed I was never asked again. She heard songs that I sang solo that I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's probably good. It's probably good I don't remember. <laughs> you know, she she can tell you. She can probably tell you more. If you really want to know the truth, talk to her. Because <laughs> she know she knows she knows better than me. So Amen. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah. And wisdom is justified of her children. Did you know the Bible says that, Mike? W Jesus says wisdom is justified of her children. No, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so wisdom. So last Sunday you tried to have wisdom. I did. It didn't work. No, no, no. It may, may be 
maybe listen, listen to wisdom being justified of her children. So Karen and I, we were, we were here. You know, I'm from Indiana, and I learned to drive on ice. You know, so we're here. So we, we stayed in Harrisburg. And we, so I go, I'm going to see if anybody shows up. That's why I came last Sunday, just to see if anybody was here. And there was one person. Guess who it was? Mike. <laughs> he was here for the same reason, to see if, yeah. it, you know, if the word got out to everybody and anybody showed up. And uh, so after we left here, Karen and I said, all right, now where do we worship today? You know, well, so about uh, 40 minutes this way over, you know, you take the, the Gretna bypass, you know, and you go through Cornwall and then over through Schaefertown, over to Cocalico, you know, over in Cold Valley. And so we go, and so, oh, that's on our way home. You know, we got to go home, you know, and we got over there and it was misting a little bit. But on the way out of service, over at Cocalico, I bought fall, fall down these steps because they are nothing but a sheet of ice. That might have been true here, too. You, you probably didn't come back and check to see if it was ice. It could have been ice, Mike. And, you, and what you did may well have been the smart thing to do. Some of us make mistakes and do the right thing. <laughs> so I said, this is just by way of, and, and my wife tells me, don't beat up on yourself. Well, I'm telling you, don't beat up on yourself, you know. Thank you. Yeah, right. And that's, really, and that, that's how the Lord left it in my mind is, you know, well, you know what? Mike really might have done the right thing. And don't anybody argue with my point on that, all right? <laughs> nobody, nobody. Uh, all right. Well, you know, when I was in high school and you had, you know, I grew up where, where sometimes it would snow 36, 38, 40 inches overnight. And they might call school off. They might, but for ice, nah, it's just ice, you know, and so here comes the school bus, <laughs> and we all pile on the school bus, and we'd go to school, and the driver ed teacher, when I was in high school, the driver ed teacher said, well, they got you to school today on this ice, we're going to go out and drive on ice, and so I did driver training on icy roads and icy streets. And so I know how, you know, when the car goes like this, I know what to do. Uh, I, so I sort of grew up, I grew up in a, I don't know even that, that Indiana is that way anymore, you know. But, and maybe I ought to be more nervous of ice than I am. I'm thinking about Butler. It, the Lord just reminded me of this, just to let you know that even though I brag about learning to drive our nice, well, sometimes that's way more the grace of God and not good old Sandy being smart, all right? So this is after midnight one night. And on US 6, headed west, I dropped my daughter off at some 
Christian, some Christian conference or something. And I was driving back, and it was after midnight, and I was driving back to my parents' home. This was a week after Christmas. I come up, and every time I go that road, I think, how did that happen? How in the world? I come up over this rise. You know, there's no hills in Indiana, hardly. These are hills around here. That, they, they got little rises in the road. They call them hills, but it's what, you know, the little rise in the road. I come up over that rise in the road, and it's right at the state line, US 6, Indiana, Ohio state line. And there's this guy in my lane going like this. And I'm, I'm going 60. And sort of, he sort of jumps out of my way, but by the time he jumps out of the way, my car's going sideways. Then, I, you know, I'm going like this. I'm not even doing anything this way. My car's going like this, and now I'm going backwards. Have any of you ever had the experience of going 60 mile an hour backwards? That was really exciting. You know, all the scenery is going the other way than, what, than normal. And now I'm going backwards and I am going off the other side of the road. We are really out of control, folks. Is your life ever out of control? Trust in the Lord, and you. what do you do? Call on the name of the Lord. And you don't just sort of say, oh, Lord, help me. No, you go, <laughs> it's okay to shout. God, I need your help. God, I'm in trouble. My car misses the end of a guardrail by this much going backwards, and I continue off the road, and I didn't know behind me there's, there's a, like a speed limit sign or something. I go between that guardrail and that sign. How did that happen? I could have hit the guardrail. I could have hit the sign. And, I go, and now I'm out in the weeds going backwards. Too fast, the wrong way. And my car decided, my car decided, you know, did the devil do it or was it angels or what? How did this happen? The car decides to continue to rotate and now I'm going sideways again. Off the road, out in the weeds. And I, it seemed like forever till that crazy car stops, finally stops. And I sighed a sigh of relief. Thank you, Lord. I didn't hit trees. I didn't hit guardrails. I didn't hit signs. I had plenty of opportunity to have a bunch of disasters. You know, it could have been a bunch of disasters. <laughs> you know, and, and what you need to do that, you know, you, you back there, you said, God, help me. So now what do you do? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for watching over me, taking care of me. So you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You know, you can't thank him enough. If something good happens, don't, don't you quit thanking him. You just keep thanking him. 
Well, so what do I do? I put the car in gear because the road's over there, and I'm out here in the weeds. And nothing happens. I put the car in gear, and I can raise the engine, but nothing happens. So what in the world did I, what did I do? Did I mess up the transmission or something? So I get out of the car. I don't know what else to do. Get out of the car. And I go around toward the, the back of my car, and here my rear wheels are hanging out over a cliff. Down it, It's like 20-some like feet down to the bottom of the ravine. And I look down there, and there's another car down there. I can see his headlights down there. So somebody, somebody did this little dance maneuver with their car before I got there, and they're down there. And I, I could have real easily landed right on top of them. How did I get stuck? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And I, and I saw I was yelling, you know, are you okay down there? You know, about that time, here comes a police car, and suddenly the police car is going sideways down the road. You know, they can't even get stopped. And they called out the song. It was a couple of hours before before they finally got a tow truck and they pulled that guy out and they pulled me out. and I think even the salt truck was having troubles going down the road. One of the most exciting things that ever happened to me going backwards down the highway. And uh, just to honor the Lord. Now, I tell you these stories. I try not to exaggerate. Really? This is pretty much the way I experience this stuff. To let you know, if it ever happens to you, that you know the caller in the name of the Lord, and you know when you get through it. Yeah, just praise him. He's, wor he's worthy of your praises. And don't you get embarrassed to others, and don't you get embarrassed uh, to yourself about praising the Lord. You praise the Lord. Thank you. You know, so how many times, how many times can you say, thank you, Lord, uh, until it becomes inappropriate? It is never inappropriate. You can say it a million times, and it's not inappropriate to say, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and all the language of the Psalms, you know, those Psalms are given there. You go in there and find pra praises. I will extol the name of the Lord, you know. And you, and you harbor those things in your, because sooner or later, something good is going to happen, and you're just going to need to, you're going to need to praise him. And you need to be ready. So that's, that's the second word down here is prepare. You need to be prepared. And uh, the Advent season is uh, a time of, of saying before the Lord, Lord, I want to be prepared. Lord, what do I need to do to be prepared? Right? And to say, uh, Lord, um, you called me to believe, but may what I do correspond to what I believe. Oh, by the way, what, when your doing corresponds to your belief, what, what is that? That's your faith in action. James talks about how, you know, if you have faith, but you don't, your deeds don't follow that faith. 
Well, it's a problem. You know, faith is sort of dead if you don't, if you don't have the doing. And so uh, part of the thing here is to say before the Lord, um, okay, Lord, you, you've been with me in my life throughout this year, but I want to end, end the year on a high note. And um, let's go there. Let's go, let's go into uh, James chapter 4. I, had, I was looking it up during Sunday school class. I'm sorry, John. I wasn't totally paying attention. Um, John, not, not John, uh, James, James. Back there in James, chapter 4. Um, James chapter 4, verse 8. Pick up verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. And um, it talks about preparing uh, for a holiday season and preparing, having a sense of preparation. Um, here's, here's for... For this season of the year, I, I think this is really sort of summarizes a lot of it, uh, at least what the Lord has worked in me. Uh, uh, James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Sub, uh, Therefore submit to God. Lord, uh, do I know what that is? I know some things about that. Lord, teach me some more things about submitting to you. Resist the devil. You do that, I hope you resist the devil. Now he's there whether you whether you think he's there or not. The devil's gonna what he's going what is the devil gonna try to do? He's gonna try to sidetrack you, drag you away from the Lord, and get you out there all by yourself, and then he's gonna work you over. That's what the devil does. Robs, steals, kills. That's what the devil does. Resist the devil. Resist. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Yeah. So that's taking a position. That this is part of preparation is saying, no, devil, no, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, no. I resist you in Jesus, you know. And by the way, you don't do that wimpy wimp. You, you do that with strong boldness and assertiveness. You, I have been given the name of Jesus, and, and I don't need to get down with that clown, that devil. And, and I don't need to roll over and just pretend something. No, we're, go, we're going to believe that God is in a situation and that, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's the devil, all right? And, and, and you take a strong position, and I'm going to take a strong position against the devil from now until next week, is, if necessary, from now until next, next year, is, if necessary, and from now until Jesus comes again, if necessary. And this, this is, this is a, a determined mind Whatever the enemy may do to try to mess things up in the things of the Lord, no, you, you, you don't just sit there and blink. You, you take a stand against the Lord, uh, against the devil in the Lord. 
in the Lord. You, it's not in your own strength. You use the name. It's not you that are so great or so strong or so mighty. No, no, no. It's the name of Jesus. Resist the devil. He'll flee. He w- so the word of God says he will flee. And maybe even the devil doesn't think he will flee. But you know what? He will. Because right th- it says so right there. And then here's what I really want you to see is in verse 8. Draw near to God. Advent is about the Lord coming. And we're celebrating the coming, you know, when he was born in Bethlehem. We're also celebrating the fact that this is a God who comes. And yet there is a dimension that says, draw near to God. And then the rest of that phrase is, and he will draw near to you. And so in your heart, who you are, you're the normal everyday you. You know, when when I'm in public, I try to be nice. You know, when I'm by myself, oh, well. No, no, no. Do you do that? <laughs> you know, one face of the public and then, some, you know, no, no, no. It's what you see is what you get. And Lord, so the, God is watching you whether or not you're going to turn your heart to draw near. Now, all of us, all of us in one dimension or another have said, Lord, have turned our hearts and, Lord, I want to draw near to you. But, you know, that's not a one-shot deal. No, no, this is every day. And uh, this, this morning I was slow on the draw. Just, just to say, all right, <laughs> my morning was a mess. Do you ever have one of those? <laughs> and so halfway here I'm going... Lord, I think maybe I need your help more today than usual. <laughs> I got a sneaky feeling. A sneaky feeling is not a gift of the Spirit, but sometimes it can be right. <laughs> now listen, I had a sneaky feeling. Lord, I just need your help more. I think maybe, Lord, I need your help more today than usual. And then I remembered, oh, you know what? You know what else? I left my, my little laptop at home, you know. What else did I forget, you know? I forgot, I forgot her offering envelope for crying out loud. The treasurer's not going to have to work a little bit harder on that one since I didn't put it in the envelope. But, but you know, the whole point is, as you live, are you going to turn your heart to the Lord? You say, Lord, I've, Lord, you've never left me or forsake me, but I want to draw near to you. I want to be nearer than before. Lord, I want that relationship, whatever that relationship between you and my heart has been, Lord, I want that not just to stay the same, but I want to, I want to grow spiritually. I want, I want my life to be more pleasing in your sight. And I thought I was doing okay, but yeah, probably wasn't. 
I pray, you know, Lord, I was messing it up and didn't even realize I was messing it up. Lord, I thought I was doing better than what I really was. But can you identify with that ever? But he says, hey, you draw near and he will draw near to you. And I just challenge you this morning through this Advent season for you to take on a heart of saying, Lord, I want to draw near to you. I want to be prepared as I get to that holiday called Christmas. Lord, I want, I want you to use this season for good in my life. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And we'll see where you're at at the end of the holiday season. My guess is you're going to have more to praise the Lord about than what you think. Now remember, how does God work a lot of times? God so often, hey, this, this is a trademark of his personality. God so often works in ways that's just out of the range of our sight. He works in ways that are just out of, the, out of the range of what we're thinking, out of, you know, we, we think, oh, God could do it that way. But God doesn't do it that way. He does it in some way we didn't even think of. We didn't even imagine. Now, that's God. And when it's all said and done, the whole of humanity before the great white throne is going to say, how excellent are your ways, O Lord. Your ways are past finding out. We don't know how you did it, but you did it. What he did to that car on that road that night, his ways are past finding out. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if there were 10 invisible angels doing this thing with my car. I don't know how he did it. I just don't. But I, I know enough to say, hallelujah, he did it. Hallelujah, Lord. Draw near. Part of preparation is saying, Lord, I want to draw near to you. Lord, I'm turning my heart. And so the, the rest of this Advent, we're going to be talking about the ele elements of that. Uh, bring them back to me. I prayed my way into this, Christine. I prayed my way into this, these Advent things, tried to write those things up. But there's a part about repentance. There's a part about inviting him. So, each, each, so this, word, this list is going to get longer. Right? I don't, or maybe we're going to stick them up someplace. I'll have to figure that out. Prepare. Let every heart prepare him room. That's what we just sang and joy to the world. Let every heart prepare him room. So, so drawing near is saying, Lord, there's, I'm, I'm making room. I'm making room time-wise. I'm making room with my attention. I'm making, my, I'm making room. You know, you know what it's like not to have room? <laughs> this is a story she hasn't ever heard. Most she can tell most of my stories better than me. <laughs> She's heard them so many. So this is about camping out in the backyard 
The point of the story is there was no room. So each, each family in our neighborhood, and there was 13 houses on one party line where, where growing up, you know, and you'd, you'd listen to see if anybody had the line. And Mrs. Nisley down there, she hogged the line most of the time, you know. There's a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. And, and so my brother, my three brothers, I have no sisters, three brothers and me, we would go out in a cow pasture and we would mow a, a ball diamond and then all the kids in the neighborhood would come to our place and uh, we'd play ball out there in a the cow pasture. Now, in the outfield, you had to be careful where you stepped out there in the cow pasture. Now, just for you farmers, just so, so you know that I know that you know. Huh? Circumspectly. Bible only uses the word circumspectly one time, but it really means it. And this is circumspectly is like walking through the barnyard. Well, well yeah. Oh, well. Well, so the other thing that my, so we were, our family was famous for this homemade bull diamond out there in the cow pasture. The other thing we were famous for, and this was back in the day, and some of you would ha have a hard time imagining this, but there was no air conditioning. Nobody in the neighborhood had air conditioning, all right? And so what did you do during the summer? Well, e you either s slept in a bed, and, you know, and my parents were not well off. We, we, we had a two-bedroom home, and I have three brothers. And just go think about that for a little while. Four boys, four boys that have a hard time getting along with each other in one bedroom. And I don't care how, how wide you open the window, it's still going to be hot in there with four, four bodies in one room. And so starting in May through probably to the beginning of October, we did not sleep in the house. And we, us boys had the reputation in the whole neighborhood that, yeah, we, we slept out there in the tent. We had a tent about this high, you know, it come down, it had sidewalls on it, you know, and, and, and flaps, and, you, you know, and we got an old beat-up carpet and put that in there, you know, and uh, it took us a while to, to kill the ants. We must have built it right on an ant hill because we, every night we'd take our shoes and we'd kill ants on the carpet. I remember that. Well, so the neighborhood kids decided we was having so much fun. They want, can you guess? Everybody wanted to come and stay overnight at the Christoffel tent, you know. <laughs> and on the other side of the township is, uh, is Jimmy Peppel. He's in my class at school, and he is a tremendous ball player. In fact, he was a... In college, he was a star ball player for Indiana State University, uh, scoring over 50 points a game. And why he didn't go into professional ball, I, I don't know. I, I imagine there's a story. He ended up, ended up a high school principal in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Anyway, Jimmy Peppel, he, he heard about how much fun we were having sleeping out there in that tent. He said, can I come? And we go, well, uh, yeah, yeah, we guess, you know. Well, so he come, of course, this is 
we're back in the days before sleeping bags. This was, you know, you just get an old ratty blanket and, you, and a pillow and you go out there and hope that the ants don't get on your pillow. In the morning, I wake up and I go, what happened to Jimmy Pepple? I went looking around. Did he go home? Where's Jim? You know, and I open up the tent flap and I go around to the, you know, sort of, what happened? You know, and here Jimmy had, there wasn't enough room in there. There was too many in one tent. We were sleep, and, and he, is, he was not, you know, I had three brothers, and I had to, one of them I had to sleep in the same bed with, you know, and we knew where the invisible line was, stay off my side, you know. But out there in the tent, there, you, there was none of that because there were so many. Too many neighborhood kids to the point that, and Jimmy Peppel slept like a washing machine, you know, he, he was doing this number all night, and he did his washing machine thing out under the side of the tent, and here he is outside the tent, way out there. How did he get clear out there? Well, he just sort of ended it. There was, and he said, there was no room in there. <laughs> now, that's the picture for you regarding the Lord. Is there room in your tent... See, the question was, was there room for Jimmy? Well, there really wasn't. And we, ever after that, if we had too many, then one of us, one of us, the, one of the four of us brothers had to go in the house. So we were pretty judicious. Well, you know, only a couple neighbors, you know, maybe we could get all crammed in there. No, you can't have too many. Uh, if you have too many, there's no room. No room. And if you got all this, all these ideas and all these plans and all, all these activities and you go on and on and on and, and you get, and what are you doing? You're getting distracted and you're not even thinking of the Lord and you get away from your daily Bible reading and you get away from your, your daily sense of prayer life before the Lord. Do you have a prayer life? And you get away from this thing of just, uh, well, give me the verse. Uh, to pray without ceasing, that you praise the Lord continually. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I, this is a song. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad. I will be glad in the Lord. You know what? You can, you can drift away from that. Just too much. There's too much in your inside world that's taken your attention and where's, where's it? you have not drawn near to God. You drifted away from God. And he says, no, you got to draw near. You got to draw near. Let's go back to, uh, let's go back to the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. 
And uh, I've gone long enough, so I am going to just do one verse. <laughs> one verse. Isn't that amazing? Once in a while a miracle happens and he can try to find a short way to the end of the sermon. Yeah, it's, it's just like that car. It's a miracle. Luke chapter 2. And uh, you, you know what? I probably could quote this without reading. I probably, I've read this often enough. Uh, you know, it came to pass in those days and all that. I'd just go right from there. Might miss a few phrases or whatever, but I probably could quote most of it. But there is this verse, verse 7. I want you to see it. Part of preparation is what? Making room. Part of preparation is drawing near. Verse 7 says, she brought forth, that's Mary, brought forth her firstborn son. That's your Savior. That's your Redeemer. That's the one who, who cared enough about you to die in your place on the cross. Her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling claws. And then it says, and, and, and we, we've heard this so often that we, sometimes we no longer hear the music. You know, it's like, it's like singing the national anthem. You've done it so many times, you don't even hear what the words are anymore. You just do it. No, no, no. Look at what it says. Laid him and laid him in a manger. Uh, that is a feeding trough. I've done feeding troughs. Uh, mainly, mainly sheep, but some for, for the cow. Maybe feed her before, before you milk her. It's only 6.30 in the morning. You've got to do it before the bus comes. Feeding trough. And that's where they put the one who died on the cross for my sins. That's where they put him. <laughs> and here's the reason. Because there was no room for them in the end. No room. God of the universe. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm, I'm not the one who came? Here's what I would have done if I would have been the one who was born in that manger. I would have I complained. I would have done something about this. God of the universe, and I'm going to stick them in a manger? There's no room for them? I can get irate over this. Maybe you can too. But then I go, ooh. But it's not just Bethlehem we're talking about. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. What's going on in there? What's happening on the inside? So don't ever think that, oh, I don't have any preparing to do. Between now and the time Jesus comes, yeah, we all got a lot of preparation. Lord, help me. Help me make room in the inside world. Lord, I can't do this without the outpouring of your, your spirit. Your spirit is the one that enables me. 
And if I draw near to you, you draw near to me. Lord, it can happen. I know it can happen. Faith, faith says it can happen. Or that I can make room in ways I've never done before. I can make room for you. Help me, Lord, to prepare my heart. Let every heart prepare him room. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your blessing this day. Thank you for